Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 7, starting to read at verse 4. Revelation 7, verse 4. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Napali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Father, again we come to you in our weakness, and we just ask that you will help us to understand what you are saying to us here in these words from Revelation. We commit this time into your hands now, and we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Revelation 7, verse 4 through to 17. Before we look at that, I want us to consider one or two things that might help us understand it a little bit better. You know, when the land of Canaan was divided, the priestly tribe of Levi didn't receive any land, as they were to live among the other tribes. And Joseph's portion was given to his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So Joseph and Levi are not listed in the twelve tribes when the land was allocated, but Joseph's two sons were. The twelve tribes that we are referred to in this list in Revelation are headed by the tribe of Judah. Both Levi and Joshua are mentioned as is Manasseh. But Dan and Ephraim are not included in the twelve. Now, some commentators point out that this list is 
presented as being led by Jesus. Jesus, the one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who's mentioned already in Revelation 5, verse 5, where we read, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Then he goes on to say that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Some commentators also point out that this list is representing the purity of the Lord's redeemed people, who are not specifically all Jews. And they say that Daniel and Ephraim have been omitted because of them being a central influence in the idolatry of the nation of Israel. So, with that in mind, we can come to Judges chapter 18, and we read 30 verse 31, and this is what it says. There the Danites set up for themselves the idol, and Jonathan son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan, until the time of captivity of the land. And they continued to use the idol Micah had made all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. And then again in another passage, in this is in 1 Kings, and it's chapter 12, verse 28 to 30. After seeking advice, the king made two gold calves. He said to the people, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up, in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. In in Revelation 7, verse 1 to 3, John, in his vision, has seen the preparation being made for God to put his seal on those who are his. So as we come to chapter 7, in verse 4 and 17, we could have this as being John in his vision. Now he is about those who God has sealed. So let's look first of all at uh, verses 4 through to 8, the 144,000. So let's read it. Verse 4. Then I had the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. So here's a few things for us to consider as we read through this passage. Who are these people? Are they all Jews? Or are they a limited number of believers selected for a specific purpose? Or are they representing something much bigger? Well, as we think about this, let's think about what we know from these verses. The first part of all, verse 4, Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. So they are those who are sealed. Verse 3, sealed as servants of our God. 
so they are God's servants. Now, the biblical reference to those who are his servants is applied to every believer. On conversion, every believer is sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit as they carry the seal of God's name in their lives. So, to have the seal of ownership on them means that they became servants of God. The seal that identifies those who belong to him. The seal that identifies them as being the genuine article is also the seal that guarantees God's protection. This protection is not always a physical protection from the forces of evil, but it is always a protection, a protection that guarantees the safety of their salvation and their place with God in glory. This seal that we've already read about in Revelation is on both Jew and Gentile. And it comes when they come to God by the power of the cross. You know, we can always quote this really well-known verse, but an applicable verse, we quote it many times, it's John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there it is. No one comes to God except through Jesus and through the power of the cross. So we have one way, one church, all under one head. That one head who is Jesus. And this is how it was always meant to be. So let's just look at a couple of things from the Old Testament. First of all, about Jews and Gentiles. If we go to Genesis 17, verse 5 through to 7, this is God making a promise to Abraham. He said, No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So you get that there, many nations, not just the Jewish nation, but many nations. Let me come to Isaiah 42, and there are many passages we can quote, we'll just quote one or two this evening. So Isaiah 42, verse 6 to 7, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, I will keep you, and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles not just Jews. And again from the Old Testament, Isaiah 49, verse 6. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See again, it's not just the Jewish nation that the Old Testament is talking about here in the promises that God is giving to his people. And then we come to the New Testament and again we have a reference to both Jew and Gentile. There's a verse from Ephesians 3, it's actually a couple of verses, I'm going to read verse 2 through to 6. This is what Paul says. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, 
As I've already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it was, as it now being revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So let me read that last bit again. The mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So, let's go back to the passage we're looking at this evening from Revelation. Let's look at verse 5, this reference to the tribe of Judah. We have the 12 tribes listed with Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, the son of David, leading them. He is in his rightful place, leading the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49, verse 8 to 10. This is part of the promise uh, given to Judah when he was blessed. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. So let me again just emphasize that last uh, reference there from those verses in Genesis. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. This is Jesus Let's just consider what we've been reading about these um, tribes of Israel in this passage in Revelation. Are there only 12,000 faithful Jews from each tribe? Or is this a stylized representation of the entire community of the redeemed? Is this the new Israel under the new covenant? If so, do the numbers mean? So let's think what we have. We have 12 patriarchs who are leaders of the nation of Israel under the old covenant, which we read about in the Old Testament. And we have 12 apostles, leaders of the early church in the new covenant that we read about in the New Testament. Both important elements of bringing about the complete church of God. So with that in mind, both important elements of bringing about the complete church of God, let's take the numbers that are mentioned. 12 times 12 times a thousand equals 144,000. Is this a symbolic number that represents the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles? and the 1,000 being a, a, a genetic reference to something which is a greater multitude. 
144,000 is not a total number of people that God has sealed. It is a way of saying that all of God's people under the old and new covenants are the great multitude of the redeemed and all are servants of God. Let's go back to something from Genesis 22 verse 17. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. And then from the Old Testament, let's bring that thought uh, into the New Testament and read what we have in Galatians 3 verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, with these Thought in mind, let's carry on in Revelation 7. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. After hearing about the 144,000 in his vision, what does John see? So let's read verse 9 through to 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So in this part of John's vision, we return to the throne room and there's a great multitude and they've gathered around the Lamb and they are all wearing white robes. Notice that they're all wearing white robes. And the presence of the palm branches suggests a number of things here. Suggests that this is a victory celebration. Also, it speaks of God's protection because in the Feast of Tabernacles, they would build booths in the gardens and put palm branches on them and this would be a, a, a symbol of God's protection as they had wandered through the wilderness. But the victory that has been won, how has the victory been won? The victory was won by the suffering of the Lamb of God as he remained faithful to the will of his Father. So how will the battles be won? The battles fought by the redeemed. They will be won by maintaining their faith, by perseverance, and having a willingness to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Is this an answer to the question in, in chapter 6, verse 17, when we read, For the great day of their wrath has come, who can withstand it? That's talking about the judgment. Who can withstand it? Well, those who can withstand it are these on the great day of God's wrath. These, in Revelation 7, are the ones who will stand, as we read that they are. So let's take that into Revelation uh, verse 11 through to 12. And we have now a song of praise. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. You see, these people mentioned those in the white robes, they are joined by the heavenly hosts and together they worship the Lamb as they sing a song of praise. 
And then in verses 13 through to 17, a question is asked. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. So, just as we draw to a close and looking at these verses, it's just a little word about what we know so far from this book of Revelation, uh, as we've been already seen that the seven churches mentioned at the beginning are churches that existed at the time when John saw his vision on the Isle of Patmos. And as well as being literal churches, here in Revelation, they are symbolically representative of God's church, God's church during the days of God's grace. If we go back to what we read in Revelation 2, verse 13, of the church of Pergamon, we read this, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who, has, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So in those words to the church at Pergamon, we have Antipas, Antipas who was killed for the sake of the gospel. Then if we look at Revelation 3 verse 8 through to 10, and we go to the church at Philadelphia, we read these words, I know your deeds, see, I have placed you, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So you see where these churches, being real churches, under real circumstances, real conditions, they were also representative of God's church his faithful church through the days of grace. Uh, let me come to verse 17 of chapter 7 in Revelation. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This verse is talking about the Lamb, the Lamb who suffered, the Lamb who will lead his sheep. And as a shepherd of the sheep, he will lead them through the difficult times and he will, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, lead them into glory. So what can we take away with us this evening from this passage that we've been looking at? Well, there's an awful lot there, but I just want to run through one or two things that might be helpful to us. First of all, as the sheep is his flock, 
we are sealed with the assurance of salvation. God has protected us with his seal. Secondly, we are servants of God, as Revelation 7 verse 3 says, servants who have been bought at a price. Thirdly, as servants of God, we are to serve the Lord and not the world. Galatians 1. Listen to this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. They're the words of Paul. And then, as a servant, we are freed from sin to become slaves to righteousness. That's who we are. And again, a verse from Romans, Romans 6, two verses, verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's who we are. And then something else we can take from what we've looked at this evening. One day we will join all the angels who are standing around the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures as they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. And that's the verse 11 and 12. Let's just pray. Father, again we come to you admitting that we don't understand all these things but we know enough to know who we are and who you are and how we stand before you and our father we pray that through this time in the book of revelation we will see something of who you are the greatness of who you are and that through this we will be encouraged and our father we know that we are safe in your hands whatever happens and our Father, we bring these thoughts and these prayers to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.